Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. In this series, this series is called Jesus Image. It's all about uh, really kind of flowing out of that declaration. It's all about being a, a person who is an imitator of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we are to be imitators of Christ. We are to be uh, mimicking, if you will, trying to impersonate Christ so that when people see us, they see a reflection of God's glory. And in this series, one of the things that I want to talk to you about today, Jesus says over and over in his word that he is the light. And in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because um, you will have the light that leads to life. I want to just you know, focus on this for a second. So Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, like he's the light of the world. And he says, if you, if you follow me, Followers of Christ should be people that walk in the light, and that light leads to life. The light, in other words, has a purpose. And what's the purpose of the light? To lead us into light. All right, the light is to lead us into life. So he's the light, and if we look at Jesus and this is something I want to, want to point out to you, that there's a direct correlation between light and life. I want to think, like if you're a, a science teacher, biology, or really a teacher of any kind, you know some of the dynamics of this, some of the things behind this, teachings behind it. There's a direct correlation, relationship, between light and life. In other words, light is the basic source of energy for all organisms. Like, you know, we talk about the things that we can't live without. We can't live without food. We can't live without water. We can't live without shelter. And, and that's all true. But all of those things need light to exist and to work properly. Plants uh, need um, photo, light for photosynthesis to create food. It also creates the oxygen on our planet that sustains uh, enough oxygen for an entire planet of people to breathe. All of the meat, whether you're a vegan or a vegetarian or, or a meat eater, I'm a meat eater. I want meat with every meal. You know, uh, whether, Whatever you are, even if you're a meat eater, don't get to me any hate mail, you vegetarians out there. My son's a, I don't know if he's a vegetarian or a vegan. I get them confused. I'm just like, you know, those people, I don't know if they're going to make it in the rapture. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about that, but y'all work that out with Jesus. But even the animals that we eat depend on plants for their food source. So light is the source. Even the fossil fuels that we, um, that we operate our planet on, those animals that died, that created the oil and the fossil fuels, the energy that we're running in our cars actually came from a light source. You and I actually, cons actually eat light, if you want, want to think about it, the steak that we're going to eat later today or the mashed potatoes that we're going to eat or whatever it is that we're going to eat, we are actually consuming light in food form. Does that make sense? So it's a really important. Light is important when it comes to the concept of life. Light, life is impossible without light. And not only does Jesus say that he's the light of the world, but he also says that we're the light of the world. He says in Matthew chapter five, you're the light of the world. In other words, you're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. He says, nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, he says, let your good deeds 
shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your father in heaven. All right, let's look at this last little part. So you're the light. Say, I'm the light. light. All right, so we're light, but here's the purpose of our light. It says in verse 16, let your deeds shine out for all to see, and this is why, so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Like that's the purpose of your light shining. That's the purpose of goodness, that people will see it and give glory to God. I mean, you can just be good and people who don't even know anything about God, you will hear them say, man, I've heard people say things like this. The man upstairs must be watching out for me. What are they doing? They are, even though they may not be serving the Lord and even though their concept of God is the man upstairs, what they're doing is they saw goodness and that's what God's glory is, his goodness, his power, and his presence. If you've been around here for a while, you know we teach that. But they saw God's goodness. They beheld his glory in your goodness and they gave him credit for it. They were worshiping God. And so we're the light. He is the light. There's that correlation between light and life. And this is the key that I want to leave you with out of this message today. As my life in Christ grows stronger, my light shines brighter. As your life in Christ, as you mature, as you get stronger in your life for the Lord, your light's going to burn brighter. There are people who they, they, they shine really bright. I've had people, I know this might sound weird and, you know, uh, to some of you guys, but I've literally seen people when they walked in a room, I saw what, I don't know what you want to call it, but I saw an aura around them. It's a freaky kind of feeling. I've experienced it twice in my life. And when they walked in, there was a glow around them. And it was the glory of the Lord. One of the people I didn't, uh, I can't remember who the other one was, but one of them, I won't call his name, you know, keep him humble. But when I saw him walk in, it was when we were in another building, when we met in another building. And when I saw him walk in, there was glory around him. You know, when it talks about how... um, Jesus or uh, the angels or, you know, when Jesus was being born, the shepherds, and it says, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. That's what that is. It's the glory of God. And as you grow closer and you grow deeper in your relationship, there is a glory that surrounds you. You know, people say it all the time in the natural Well, she just lights up a room when she walks in. You ever heard anybody say that? Man, they just light the room up. Well, that is a natural expression of really something that can be attained in the supernatural. And as you grow deeper and you grow more mature in your relationship and I grow more mature in my relationship, my uh, reflection of his glory is more noticeable. It's more paramount. It's, uh, you, you just, you, you can't get away from it. There are some people, and I don't want to harp on this too much, but there are some people that they've been in the faith a long time and they don't shine at all. I mean, you know that. There's people that you've come across It breaks my heart when I see people like that. There are people in my family like that. They've been around church their whole life. They could probably tell you more about scripture than I could, but they don't shine at all because they've not matured in their relationship with the Lord. It's something happened somewhere. The enemy got in and messed things up for them. They still go to church. They still do the religious thing, but they don't shine. And we were created to shine. One of the most frustrating things, you know, I about throw my wife under the bus about every sermon, right? <laughs> you know, uh, well, I'm going to throw her under the bus today because, baby, you need to get delivered from this. 
One of, one of the things that I hate is going to the cabinet and pulling out a flashlight. And it's like, click, 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 click. Oh, this thing needs some batteries. Let me go get some batteries. Change the batteries out. Click, 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 click. What's wrong with these batteries? Well, she took them out of one thing that didn't work and put them in the cabinet. Like, they're not going to automatically get recharged. You know what I'm saying? These ain't no rechargeable batteries. And I'm like, Shay, it's okay, baby. Throw, stretch your hands toward, no. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I don't get it. If it's gone, if it's no life in it, just get rid of it. Dulce, do you do this? Do you need to be, Lord, deliver her from that. A light that does not shine, what use is it? That's what he was saying in Matthew chapter 5. He says, what good would it do if you were the only light in the house and somebody put a bucket over it? Nobody does that. No. Instead, what do you do? You take it and you put it at the highest point in the house in the room so that it gives light to everyone When they come in, God created you and me to be light bearers. We are to reflect his glory. And so I want you to turn in John chapter one, and I want us to begin reading what John is saying as he starts his gospel off. His gospel's a little bit different than the other gospels. They're known as synoptic gospels. In other words, they follow kind of the same pattern. They have lots of the same stories in it in the same timeline. But John's is different. He's still telling the life of Jesus and the things that happened, but he starts his account off very different. And let's look at the way he starts his off because he's like, I'm fixing to tell you the story, fixing to tell you a story about a man named Jed, poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Or this is the story all about how the, you know, what, you know. This is where he's going with this. He's like, I'm fixing to tell you a story, but I want you to know who I'm fixing to tell you the story about. And so he starts, and I'm, I'm reading in the New Living Translation, so it may be a little different from your version, but it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word there, the Greek word is logos. We know that he's talking about Jesus because I think in verse 14, it says the word became flesh and dwelled among men. So we know the word, he's talking about Jesus. He said, in the very beginning was the word. He said, the word was with God and the word was God. The word was with God. He was in fellowship with God, but God is a separate entity, but still the same entity. Blows my mind. Don't understand it. It's just the word and I believe it. Don't try to get all crazy and explain it to people. You just got to say, you either believe it or you don't. I've never been to the moon, but... I've never even seen a spaceship go up there, but I believe, you know, I, I believe it. I believe it happened. I saw it on TV. I believe it happened. But I, I can't explain the Trinity, but I believe it. And it says the word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. There was nothing that was created, nothing in the category in the box called, these are the created things. Nothing in that box was created without being created by Christ. And so it says, the word, verse four, gave, him, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. So understand Life brings light but uh, to us, but our light brings others to life. Are you following the progression? His life, let me, let, let me make sure I got that right. Yeah, his life brings light to us. And when we begin to reflect 
God's glory, our light. See, we can't give people life. All you and I can do is bring people to life. I'm not talking about your children. We can give life to to children. I'm talking about, I can't give you life. Like he's the author and the finisher of your faith. I can only be light and that light, the scripture says, you'll glorify our father in heaven. It'll, It'll bring you back to life. And so there's this progression that goes with this. And it says that this light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Pause on it for just a second, guys. Because if you and I, when we come together in Christ, then light comes. Now, we, we are alive in Christ. We are a new creation in Christ. We're supposed to be doing things differently in Christ than we did in our old way of life. And when that happens, our light begins to shine. Listen, it, it's not impressive. Are we trying to impress people? No. But are we trying to make an impression on people? Absolutely. We're trying to make an impression on people. An impression is just simply something that makes them wonder or makes them go like, wow, I would like whatever that is. And so when we get saved, our life begins to make an impression as we mature on the maturity continuum. We're all, uh, every single one of us, Doesn't matter how long we've been in the faith, we will be continuing in that faith. He who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day we see him face to face. We're all on a continuum. But listen, there's nothing impressive about somebody who's been in the faith for a decade and they don't look any different from the world. That's not reflecting his glory. You're not even doing what you were created to do. But when you have come into a relationship with God and light has come into your life, like, in other words, what's the purpose of light? We know, I'm talking a little different here. What's just just general? What's the purpose of light? To reveal, to see. Like, that's the purpose of light. People are supposed to see some results in your life. People are supposed to see results in my life. When he, when he talked about in Matthew chapter five, he said, so that they may see your good works, not just hear about them. As a matter of fact, most of the time when somebody's told you something about it and it's just like, oh my gosh, I got to see it. I got to see it. I want to go see that. Why? Because that's what our good deeds, that's what the light is for. It's to give revelation. It's to show people that, look, this is what's possible. I used to be this, now I'm not. I used to be addicted, now I'm not. I used to be a pusher, now I'm not. I used to be addicted to this thing or that thing or whatever. I used to be abusive, now I'm not. I used to be uh, depressed, now I'm not. In other words, there is a before and an after. And it's attractive because like, If you did it, then maybe it can happen to me. If you did it, maybe there's some hope for me. But here's the beautiful thing about this light. And somebody, man, should get, like, you should get this down in your soul. Because this is what it says in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Some of you guys, I know for me, I could talk about myself all day long when it comes to darkness. I have been in places of darkness. You've heard me talk about it. You're probably sick of hearing me talk about it. You're like, come on, Pastor Rod, just move on. But I've been in places that have been so dark. I have been in places where I did not want to get out of bed. I've been in places where I'm like, I can understand how people can get addicted to drugs because there was a time where I'm like, if I just had 
something that I could just go to sleep and not wake up because, oh, there's this dread that, that, that comes on you. When you wake up, when you go to sleep, it's like they disappear. The problems of the world disappear. And I would wake up and immediately this heaviness, this, this oppression, this depression would be waiting right there beside my bed to jump on me. And I'm like, I just wish I could go back to sleep. And during that time period, I told Shay, my wife, I said, I, I can totally see how people can get addicted to drugs. I totally can understand, even though I've never been there, I've had brothers and sisters who have died from that. I understand that culture and I've tried to stay away from that. I've never had a, a, a anything other than prescription in my, in my system, but I can totally understand why people want to get away because the darkness is so invasive. But when you look at this scripture, it says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overtake it. It cannot distinguish it. So listen, I'm here to share some good news with you this morning. No matter what the enemy has waged against you, no matter what your situation is, no matter how dark your situation is, no matter how long you've been in that situation, no matter how many people in your family have suffered with it, no matter how many generations have been there, it can break today with you because the darkness cannot extinguish the light. As a matter of fact, in some verses it says the darkness cannot comprehend the light. Oh, I like that. Man, the darkness cannot comprehend the light. Like, what's going on? Oh, come on now. The enemy's over here going, like, I don't know what else to do. I have formed every weapon that I can think of. I've done everything that I can do. What is going on here? I can't understand what's going on. And it's just the word being lived out in your life that the darkness cannot comprehend the light. You should get excited about that because I'm telling you, when all hell is breaking loose in your life, you just, you just should remind yourself that you can't overcome me because I am light. I am light. I'm light. Anything that is pure light cannot be extinguished. He is the only pure light. One day, the moon, the, star, the moon doesn't even produce light. It just reflects light. The sun and all the stars that emanate light, one day that will all pass away. But there is a light that will never fade. There is a light that will never go away. And the scripture says that he himself is light. The scripture says he wraps himself in light. That's what God clothes himself in is light. Light, he clothes himself in a life-giving source. So what does he do with us? He's like, I am the life source. I'm bringing you and I'm giving you light. I'm making you a light bearer. You will go about and you will create life wherever you go. You will go in and where their things are dead, they will start springing back forth the life. I'm, I'm telling you, if you'll just get this in your spirit, you'll go into places of business and it's like, it's falling apart. It's disorganized. You go in and all of the sudden, life will come back to that. Why? Because you brought light into that place and exposed the things that were not in alignment with how they were supposed to be. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to bring things into a place of alignment and God will start doing a work in there. It'll happen in some of your marriages if you will let him. You're supposed to be light in your marriage. You're supposed to be light in your businesses. You're supposed to be light in your family. Many times we're so busy being darkness we go through the house, we're flicking off lights, flicking off lights, flicking off lights. How do you do that? You can flick off lights in a lot of ways, guys. You can flick off lights by talking about politics. You can flick off lights by talking about Jesus. You can flick off lights by talking about, you know, what, uh, the latest conspiracy theory. You can t flick, flick off lights by being X, Y, or Z. And all, all of a sudden, you're, Killing opportunities to be light. 
I'm not saying that you can't talk about politics. I'm not saying that you can't talk about uh, uh, different uh, religions. You can't talk about family issues. You can't even talk about Jesus. But there are some people when Jesus, like, he doesn't, it's not the opportunity to talk about Jesus yet. Like, you don't need to just go in and start shelling out Jesus everywhere like cheap $1 bills. You got to know when to talk about Jesus. You got to know if God, if Holy Spirit has been there to set up the opportunity for you yet. And so many people have been shut down because I got to be a witness. And we've been taught that being a witness is only verbal. But what does he say? He says, let your light shine so that they can see. Nowhere in scripture, if there is, I'm ignorant of it, come and bring it to my attention. Nowhere in scripture does he say, and I have called you to be a megaphone and go and scream my name everywhere so that men everywhere will be drawn unto me. No, there, it, no. it's all about seeing Seeing, what is it, First uh, Samuel, um, I can't remember the exact verse, but First Samuel 16 and 7, sorry, that's where it is. The scripture says that man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Where does man look? On the outside. Man doesn't walk up to you and go, you got a good heart, Paul. No, it's going to take me a while to, to know that. Like, I got to get past the veneer of what I see. You know, I, I judge you based upon what I see on the outside. And so, does the outside matter? We, we say that the outside does not matter, and it doesn't in certain contexts. Yeah, but fruit is made to see. The outside matters in certain contexts. The outs- what people see. I'm not talking about tattoos or earrings, not, none of that kind of junk, even though that can turn people off. But guess what? So can a suit and tie and vest. When Shay and I would be ministering in certain places, we dressed for the occasion. Now, I don't have any uh, tattoos. I don't have anything against that. But y'all know where I'm going to get a tattoo, right? I already told you this. For the new people, let me just tell them, right? If I get a tattoo, you know, I'm like 50, fixing to be 54 in a few weeks. I'm going to get a tattoo right here on the top of my shoulder. So that when I'm 75, it's gonna, it's, it will have slidden right down here. <laughs> See, most people get it up here on, on their chest, and, and then it becomes a belly tattoo. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't got nothing against tattoos. You know? But, what, but, but people do judge you on your out, outward appearance. And everywhere we would go to do ministry, we would, we would be like, hey, we're going into this area. So lo- lose the jewelry. Lose, you know, tone the makeup down. Like, you know, don't, don't wear your nice little pretty frilly vest, uh, you know, or, or, or your cool new shoes. Like, tone it down because we're going into a place and we don't want them to see us uh, in this way that like it separates us. But then if I'm, if I'm going into a business meeting, I'm also not going to go with my old holy, uh, you know, h- holes in my uh, yard shorts and, and, and jogging pants that I'm out, you know, dirty all over and whatever. I'm going to put on a tie. Why? Because I know when I walk in that room, they're going to size me up by how I look And I don't want my outward appearance to initially turn off what's inside and what I have there to share. And so our outward appearance, it does matter because that's what people see. And so whoever God calls you to go and, and be a light to, let your outside shine in such a way that people are gonna receive it. And there are people that, man, I'm telling you, I've told people before, like, hey, man, I'm going to sit, I'm going to just sit in the background here when we go in, into this place because I don't look like their people. I mean, e- even if, even if I tone down, like I don't go in there uh, dr- dressed in my, my little preppy sweater, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, 
This is what they imagine. If I walk in looking like this into some places, this is when they see me coming, this, this, is, this is their uh, image of me. Hello, everybody. It's so good to see you. I'm here to tell you about Jesus today. You know, that's, that's their image of me. And I'm like, so look, I'm on, t- but still, like I can't change my hair. You know, I can try to not comb it as much, but I'm going to look a certain way. And I'm like, but man, you look like these people. So you do the talking. I'm going to stay in the background. I'm going to do the praying. We're going to warm up. You're going you're gonna to brag on me some. And you're going to say, man, this is my buddy. I know he looks like a nerd, but I love him. He's a good guy. You can trust this guy. And once I've got some validation, then I'll start stepping in. And then my light will be able to, to start shining. Is any of this making sense to you? Yes. And so, and so I, I, I just want to um, continue reading just a little bit more here. All right. So verse six said, God sent a man, John the Baptist, not the same John writing this book. He's talking about an, another John, John the Baptist. He sent him to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his what? testimony, what he said, what they hear, his reflection, in other words, of Jesus. And verse 8 says, John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. No one who is the true light who gives, uh, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he came into the world, he created, but the world did not recognize him. How sad. I'm telling you what, man, if Jesus showed up in our churches today in the flesh, I don't think we'd recognize him because some of y'all looking for white Jesus and some of y'all looking for black Jesus. I know people believe in black Jesus because I've been in churches and they had black Jesus behind the pulpit, but he's not white and he's not black. He's Middle Eastern. He looks like a Jewish person. But beside that, he, I, don't, I don't think we would recognize him because we're, we're, we're looking for somebody religious and he's about as unreligious as they come. And I think a lot of times we worship this image of Jesus that it's like, it's not a real image of who he is. Who is this Jesus? You have to go to the gospels to find out who this guy is. He, he is an amazing, amazing God. It says that when he came into the world, that the world didn't recognize him. And this is even sadder in verse 11. He says he came to his own people and even they rejected him. It's not what we want. I'm just telling you, what, what if Jesus walked into this place and he's, he's here with us and like, he wants to do something totally different. Like he's like, I just, I'd rather just not even sing songs today. What if, what if we just turned around and started sharing a testimony with each other right now? Just turn around. Yeah, I, oh, that's uncomfortable. I was raised Catholic. Well, guess what? Jesus is not Catholic and he's not Baptist and he's not Methodist, Episcopalian or any other number of hundreds of denominations that exist. He's not even non-denominational. We call ourselves non-denominational. He's like, I don't even know what that is. Y'all made that up. <laughs> like. And he also, I, listen, man, Christians will be getting on my nerves. Y'all don't have Christians that get on y'all's nerves, do you? Because Christians, dog, man, they all have agendas. Y'all may not see this as much as pastors do. I've had people to ask me why we hate Israel. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. They didn't ask me because they weren't brave enough to ask me that. <laughs> they, would, they sent their emissary <laughs> to ask me why we hated Israel. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why do we hate Israel? We don't hate Israel. We love Israel. We bless Israel. Right. We don't, well, why don't y'all celebrate any of the feasts? Because we ain't Jewish. 
I'm a redneck from Mississippi. <laughs> like, I'm not a Jew. Like, I'm a Gentile grafted into the body of Christ. Well, Perry Stone preaches on blah, 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 And I'm like, yeah, well, that's great. Perry Stone is a genius, and he knows all that stuff, but I don't care. <laughs> Jesus said, you don't have to keep all those feasts. <gasps> he really did. He really said, you don't have to keep all the feasts. Like, you don't have to keep the festival of this and the festival of that and the feast of this. It's not that they're not important for Jewish people. It's not that they're not beautiful. They are. They're incredibly beautiful. But some people worship the feast. And Jesus said, you don't have to keep up with all of that stuff. Oh man, if you just get into the gospels and you start doing just, and every time you do something, you go, is this how Jesus did it? Is this how Jesus would have done it? And is this how, like, if we're created in his image and we're his followers, we're supposed to follow his examples. Ephesians chapter five says, imitate him. Then I copy his example. But they rejected him. Some people didn't even recognize a man. And then some people flat out rejected him. And listen, there are people that we'll, we'll get on our spiritual high horse and we'll be like, I can't believe they would reject Jesus. And I'm like, there are Christians every day. Some of them come into this house every week and you have rejected him by the way you live. Mm, it's okay, pick them up off the floor. I know I... I know, I know, you know, they're sore. But you reject him by the way you live because we cannot call ourselves followers of Christ if we don't follow him. I'm just going to pick and choose. This ain't Jesus sushi. You ever been to the sushi restaurant and they bring out the little tab to you and it's got all the kinds and you got a little pencil and you pick off the ones that you want? This ain't Jesus sushi. It's not Jesus buffet. Like you don't pick and choose what you want. He said, you take all of me or none of me. That's what he said. You take all of me or you take none of me. And it's like, I, I, I follow his example in every way. As a matter of fact, you know, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, you know, yeah, forget your little offering, forget your little, you know, your little serving once a month in nursery or whatever. I want your body. Just get your whole tail up here and lay up on the altar. I want sacrifice the whole thing. I want everything. Like, but some people will be okay with, you know, I'm get, well, you know, I, I, I gave my tithe. You know, I, I, I did my uh, volunteer duty this month. I, I'm like, he wants all of us L crawl up on the altar, sacrifice your body and say, God, there's nothing I possess that is not yours and is not usable by you. And then I want you to look at verse um, 12 and I'm going to try to close this up. Verse 12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him. I don't know if you write in your Bibles, but you should. To all who believe and circle and accepted. To all who believe and accepted. In other words, believe. It's not enough to believe, guys. The devils believe and tremble. They, they know who he is, but they don't serve him. They have not accepted him. They blew that chance. But you and I, we don't have that same relationship with God the Father. We were not created for that sort of purpose that they, that they blew it. We serve in a different capacity and a different relationship with him. And when we believe and accept, the scripture says that he gave us the right to become the children of God, the sons and the daughters of God. I'm telling you what, when you live as a son of God and as a daughter of God, it changes the playing field in your relationship because I got my rights. My son, my daughter, they have rights at my house that other people don't have. Why? Are they smarter? Mm-mm. Do they have more money? Mm-mm. Are they prettier? 
Mm-mm. Not necessarily. Because they have a blood birthright. When you and I accept, when we accept something, you've, you've heard people say, well, I just finally accepted it. That means you finally took on a mindset. You finally were at peace with it. You were finally okay with it. When we accept the light, when we accept this newness of life that he brings us, when, when we accept a new way of doing things, that's when we begin to walk in this. It changes our mind. It changes our heart. And we become the sons and daughters, and we have a right. And there are times when I go before the Lord in my prayer time, and I said, Lord, this is my right. And I'll feel a little tug, and you gotta know through discernment, is that tug Holy Spirit, or is it the devil? And I'll feel a tug, like, who are you to tell God what your right is? Bro, you, be you, you better get off of me. I'm a son, that's who I am. Like, I mean, can you imagine Noah, my son, coming into my house and somebody says, dude, what are you going in the refrigerator for? Like, you don't have a, I mean, he better be like, man, you better get behind me. Like, this is my daddy's house. Anything in here is mine. Like, all I have to do is ask. Now, he can't just bust up in my bedroom and just want to take something, even though he's done that. Uh, <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, man. When they start get wearing your same shoe size and pant size and everything, I'm like, I'm like, hang on. I know I had a new shirt in here somewhere. Where'd it go? I'll walk out and it's like, okay, he's got it on. Like, but no, I don't just, you don't just walk up. We have not because we ask not. You ask our father anything. And it's based upon that relationship of sonship and daughtership. We can have anything that we have put our minds to as long as it lines up with him. And so anyway, music come, help me close. Verse 13 says that they're reborn. Not with a birth, a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan but a birth that comes from God. Listen, I just want to share this with you. This is, this is really important. There's three types of life. In the Greek, um, there are three words that they kind of use uh, at different places in scripture. And the first one is bios. We got our word from biology. It really refer, uh, uh, biology from it. It really refers to like the physical body, the carnal, the flesh, flesh and blood. In other words, when you are born, that's why they call it the incarnation of Christ. It's Jesus was spirit. God is spirit. The word was in the beginning. But when he came out of Mary's womb, and was born, he was incarnate. All of the sudden, God in the, in the flesh. Like, who ever heard of such a thing? But there's, there's bios, which is just this life that you and I live. Basically, it's surviving. You were given life, and there's, you walk around and you're living life and some people, their life exists. And this is like the basic, most basic form of life. People can have it, organisms can, can have it, but it's just a living being. But for believers, a lot of times people, this is their life. This is, they get up, they go to work, they work, they come home, eat, rest in the recliner, maybe fall asleep in the recliner. Their wife comes, wakes them up, tells them to go to bed. And then they get up and they do that all over and they do it over and over and over and over again for 30 years. And that's their idea of life. That's the most basic form of life. That's not what God has called us to do. That's what he's provided us with life. But then there's this life. This life is suke. 
Suke is where we get our word psyche or psychological. Suke refers to the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so there's, you know, you have this thought life. You have this emotional life. You have a will. And that's where some people, that's where they live their life. They've got life, but they live in the emotions all the time. You met those people before? Have you? You haven't? They're always in their mind. They're always in their emotions. They cannot get out of this. Everything revolves around this. If they wake up in a bad mood or a depressed mood, they don't know how to get out of that. They don't know how to take authority over that. They don't know what's at their disposal. Like, listen, that happens to me. I told you about it a little earlier in the message where it's like, God, I just don't want to get out of bed today. When I was going through that depressive stage and I'm like, I have to get out of bed because I am not emotion led. I feel it oppressing, but this is not going to be my destiny today. I'm not going to lay here in this bed. Did I, did I just by saying that all of a sudden uh, uh, jump out and get the zippity doo da? You know, no. I'm dragging my tail to the, uh, to the uh, sink to wash my face and get in the shower. I'm still, it's still there. The heaviness is still there. But at some point you come out of it because it's like you are not going to dominate me. The scripture says the darkness cannot overtake the light. I'm light. You're dark. I win. I win. That's how that works. And so suke is that life where if you're not careful, you'll constantly be in your mind. I'm telling you what, if I, if I operated just in my suke, if I operated just in this part of my life and my thought life, I probably wouldn't show up here half of the Sundays of the year. Because the enemy, how he just works constantly on my mind. Joyce Meyer, she was a genius when she penned that book, The Battlefield of the Mind. Because if the enemy can win here, he knows everything else normally follows. But there's a part of life that goes well beyond that. And this is the life in 1 John chapter uh, one that we're reading when it says and he is the life and he gives life it's talking about zoe life and zoe life is that divine life like we don't become divine but we we have divine attributes so to speak called fruit of the spirit gifts of the spirit this is that divine life it's that god-led life it's where i'm spirit-led i'm spirit-empowered and i'm spirit-filled that's that kind of life like when you live in zoe life like it's easier it's not always easy it's easier to overcome the darkness when you operate in that kind of life because you're operating from a place of sonship, but you're also operating from a place of being spirit-filled, spirit-led, and spirit-empowered. We are not mentally driven. So many people are driven by that part of their life. If you are driven by your emotions, hey, I hope you buckle up because it's going to be a roller coaster life. You will be up one day and down the other. You will be on it one day and off of it the other. You'll be ready to take the mountain this day and ready to throw in the towel on, a neck, on another day. But when you're spirit led, you are the kind of person that the spirit will speak to you. And he will, like he's spoken to me to share these words with people this week that are going through a difficult time. And I said, you know what? We are spirit-led, spirit-filled, and spirit-empowered. And yay, though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. They make a place for me in the table of my enemy. While I'm there, I'm not starving and I'm not scrimping. He makes a table for me in the presence of my enemies and my cup surely runs over. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We are those kind of people that we say, even in the midst of trial, we will not be overcome. That's who we are when we live in Zoe life. So here's what I would ask you today. Are you satisfied with the life that you're living? Are you satisfied with the life that you're living? Can I tell you, I'm not satisfied with the life I'm living. Why? Would you be satisfied if it's like, hey, you know, just right around the corner, there's this treasure trove of you fill in the blank. No, I'm good. I'm good. Would you be satisfied with like in your craft or wherever you are in life, like knowing that there's another level that you could go to in excellence or whatever? Oh, I'm good. I'm good with just sitting here. The, the sad fact of the matter is there are many people who are totally okay with that. The scripture says those people are lukewarm. And, and, and there's not a good outcome for those people. The scripture says that uh, it's just nasty. It's actually like this, you know. Oh, dude, that was rank. Oh, gosh. Mm. That's what that, that's what that attitude makes the Lord want to do. It's not pleasant because he's like, no, 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 no. I did not create you for mediocrity. I created you to shine. I did not create you to be dim. I created you to be bright because when you're bright, you change lives. When you are bright, you lead people back to life. Every person in this building, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, who you did it with. I don't care if you did it 10 minutes before you walked in this building. I don't care if it's generational in your family. Every per- I don't care if you're educated or not educated. I don't care if you're rich or you're poor. I don't care what race you are. Every person in this building has the opportunity to be life and light and make a difference in other people's world. Because there are people that you're going to come into contact this week, guys. And you know what they're doing? They, 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 are, they are walking through life and, and, and they're, they're just blind. They're, just, they're, they're bumping into stuff. They're like, I, you know, I didn't know that was it. I don't know what's going on. And you, God's putting you in their path. And you are the wisdom. You are the revelation of truth to them. You don't have to be a theologian to do that. All you have to do is just be spirit-led. Speak when God says speak and shut up when God says shut up. Just ask the Lord, God, you want me to say anything? He'll let you know. All right, and I'm fixing to let you go. So how do I want you to activate this? It's real simple, guys. If you'll be doers of the word and not hearers only. You could go away and can I just tell you, you're not gonna remember half of the stuff that I told you today. That's why I put these little cameras on there so you'll take pictures of this stuff and you can use it later to build your faith up. It's super easy. Make a list of the things that you want to change in your life that you're not where you want to be. Just make a list. You had not got to be even failing in those areas. It's just like, God, I'm doing fairly decent, I think, but I know there's more. And then you make a plan. Don't, don't say, I, I, I want to do this and I just hope it happens. No, it's going to happen when you make a plan and you start carrying that plan out. And then make yourself accountable to someone. You don't have to do this for every little thing, but there are some things that I have literally gone to my brothers and I said, listen, this is an area I'm fighting. I'm making myself accountable to you. You have a right and not, not just a right, but an assignment to ask me about this on a regular basis to check up on me and see how I'm doing. Because I want to change this. Here's my plan. And 
I'm help asking you to help me be accountable. Super easy, guys.